This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports Day Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys. Brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Calvin Watkins. I'm Michael Gelk, and we're two Cowboys beat writers having a weekly Real Talk conversation about the latest with the team, including interviews, analysis, and debate. It is playoff time, Monday night football in Tampa. The Buccaneers will host the Cowboys in Super Wildcard Weekend on a Monday night. Both teams have issues, but we care more about the Cowboys' issues, and they have a few after an embarrassing 26-6 loss to the Commanders. And oh, by the way, Tom Brady and Todd Bowles are undefeated, undisputed against the Cowboys. Brady is 7-0. Todd Bowles is 2-0. Mike McCarthy said Monday, Calvin, it's time to burn that tape from Washington. But we'll take a deep look at some of those critical areas and highlight also some positives entering the postseason, including this team's health. Also, Babe Laufenberg, former NFL quarterback and Cowboys Radio Network commentator, joins us to talk Tampa. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome back to Sports Day, Cowboys. Calvin, the Cowboys are choosing to not belabor what happened last Sunday against the Commanders. And you know what? We'll take a similar route. It's the playoffs, and I think there's a lot of excitement, anticipation. Uh, There's a lot to unpack as to what could happen on Monday night. So without going and, and, and spending 15, 20 minutes on it, we have to talk about this Cowboys run game. In Tennessee, a game earlier, Cowboys really struggled against the Tennessee Titans front. Couldn't get anything going against the run. They said that that game against Washington this past Sunday was a chance to get things going, going into the postseason, and they were even worse. 1.4 yards per carry is what the Cowboys average on first down in terms of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. They averaged less than two yards combined on all runs that game. This run game is a problem We'll ask Babe Laufenberg about it a little bit later. Well, Calvin, what is your concern about it? You know, it's interesting, but when we were in Nashville in that Titans game, and that was a chance for the Cowboys to close that game out, they were throwing the ball deep. And that was something that – that was an example of they don't trust the running game because they couldn't – they felt like they couldn't close the show. And remember, in September and October, they were using the run game to close the show when Cooper Rush was the quarterback. And now here we are when your season's on the line and your running game is limping in. Now, 
they've got some issues with the health of Tyler Biotis. He should be back for the Bucks game, we believe. But there's a lot of juggling going on because he lost Biotis. Uh, Connor McGovern, I think you, you said he, he lost like eight pounds because he was sick going into that regular season finale against Washington because he had a stomach virus. And so he wasn't himself in that game. You know, Tyron Smith is at right tackle, a position he hasn't played since his rookie year a thousand years ago. So it's it, it's it's a lot going on there. I wonder if Zeke Elliott is wearing down from the physical pounding he's taken. Tony Pollard's had a thigh issue, so there's all kinds of stuff going on. Scheme wise, the defensive fronts are, are making moves. The linebackers are matching up, but at the end of the day, as Stephen Jones likes to say, you got to be physical in the running game, and it's not as physical as it was earlier in the year, and that is a major issue going into Tampa. Yeah, if I was the Cowboys, and I'm not, I'm not a coach, but I think, you know, you're going to roll with Tyron Smith at right tackle, but you got to help him out. I think mm-hmm. it's, that means having a sixth offensive lineman, maybe Jason Peters, whoever it may be, you know, line up next to him, you know, do whatever you can to get it going. They need more meat at the line of scrimmage. And I'm just really curious to see how they go about jumpstarting it because over the past two weeks to close the season, the Cowboys averaged 2.6 yards per carry. Worst in the NFL. So uh, obviously not what they want going into the postseason. Answers are also needed in the secondary. This mm-hmm. has been a question. I think this Cowboys season, the final month of it has been Terrence Steele and Anthony Brown appreciation month. Uh, <laughs> we, we saw what Terrence Steele had meant to this run game. And we are certainly we have certainly seen what Anthony Brown means to this Dallas secondary. Are you where, where, where do you think the Cowboys are in terms of learning and feeling comfortable with their secondary, you know, their cornerback specifically opposite Trayvon Diggs? I don't think they have a good feel for it. Um, they tried Trayvon Mullen in that last game, and he got beat, and he got also called for uh, pass interference. They've tried Kelvin Joseph, who was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, and he mm-hmm. doesn't even get on the field defensively anymore. Yeah, they're done with him. Yeah. <laughs> they've, well, they've seen enough. They've decided that, Kelvin, <laughs> you're you're a great special teamer, but we're not counting on you on defense in the playoffs. They've seen enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nashawn Wright. He's been up and down. He's a nice kid. He's got the length that you like. He mm-hmm. had a big interception that closed the show of a game a couple of weeks ago, but he's been inconsistent. Uh, they got McKenzie Alexander. He's been up and down. He was also nursing an injury that groin. happened in practice, a groin. So then they get Xavier Rhodes. You know, he was a pro bowler, a one-time all-pro. He's a veteran. I thought he would have played against Washington. Yeah, it was a short time frame, but you're going to ask this guy to play – you know, against Tampa and what you're going to have to. So they, they really, all their solutions have failed them. Um, and yeah, it is Anthony Brown appreciation month, I would say, because for the last month, the Cowboys have tried to solve this problem. Kind of reminds me of what they were trying to do at the receiver position, trying to find another wide out to help Michael Gallup and the CD lamb. They were flirting with Odell Beckham Jr., which really wasn't realistic. Now they got T Y Hilton and, I think he'll be okay. The Washington game was just what it was for everybody. I think he'll be fine in the playoff game, but this secondary does concern me because Tom Brady doesn't care. He's going to throw at Trayvon Diggs. He's going to throw at Trayvon Mullen. It doesn't matter who. They got fantastic receivers on this Bucks team. I think Mike Evans had over 200 receiving yards in the last yeah. game that in the game that they clinched the NFC South. So to me, the secondary is a major concern um, going to this playoff game. 
If Sam Howell can play well enough to expose your deficiencies as a secondary, mm-hmm. you better believe that Tom Brady is going to expose your deficiencies as a secondary. So um, I, I do think there is solace if you're a Cowboys fan and you're listening and you're well aware of the struggles at cornerback to know that Dan Quinn has not been calling you know his best stuff in recent weeks. He's intentionally, certainly against the commanders, He's wanting to evaluate Nashawn Wright. He's wanting to evaluate Trayvon Mullen. He wants to evaluate Tyler Cole, uh, a safety who they brought up to the practice squad to play in the nickel. Uh, those, it's very much been experiment mode. Now, what concerns you is that the Cowboys could trot these guys out in a something of a laboratory safe setting where it's like, okay, it's week 18 against the commanders. We have a pretty good feel. We're going to be the fifth seed. And let's just go ahead and see what these guys look like. You. Don't feel good about trotting a 32-year-old Xavier Rhodes who the Buffalo Bills decided wasn't worth keeping on the 53. Mm-hmm. That's the concern. The stakes are much higher to figure out what Rhodes can do. So a very, very important week in practice for the Cowboys to evaluate someone like that. Good thing they have an extra game or extra, pardon me, extra day or two uh, because this playoff game, of course, being on Monday rather than on Sunday or Saturday. And I will say there are some positives. So I don't want to be Mr. Negativity here. Um, I would say C.D. Lamb has grown since that week one game against Tampa Bay where he was frustrated as hell. And, mm-hmm. and I think he's emerged as not only as a Pro Bowl receiver, but as a legitimate number one guy. Is he among the elite guys at that spot? No, but I, I think I'm confident that if you get him the football, he'll make some plays for you. I'm also confident in the pass rush. Uh giving him a little bit of extra time, you know, playing this game on Monday in comparison to Sunday, the extra day I think will help them from a physical standpoint. I know Demarcus Lawrence and uh, Micah Parsons have been dealing with little bumps and bruises throughout the course of the season. I believe they will have a, a much better effort on Monday night against Tampa than what we've seen of late. I have not seen a lot of Dorrance Armstrong of late, but I think he will play better in this game just because the stakes are high. But, Michael, there are two guys that you that you noticed in that Washington game and maybe even the week before that are playing pretty good in the interior of that line. Yeah, and so this interior defensive line is going to get Jonathan Hankins back, and that mm-hmm. is significant. They also get linebacker Leighton Van Der Esch mm-hmm. back, and that is significant. Your best communicator at linebacker, uh, you know, he can anticipate some of the things uh, pre-snap. It seems like every game I wrote a story on him for Wednesday's paper to that effect. But Cowboys are really excited to get him back on the field. But two guys who are ascending part of the same draft, part of the same round, 2021 third round. Oso Digizuba, who I think has been really, really steady this season. And someone who is on the rise, Dan Quinn says, and that is Chauncey Golston. We saw Golston at one point be a healthy scratch this season. Dan Quinn took an opportunity in recent weeks to give Golston more reps, wanting to figure out what Golston could provide in the postseason. And if these recent games are an indicator, Golston's going to be a part of this thing, and he's going to be a potentially big part of this thing. So I really liked, I think he had like a team high 11 tackles against commanders, and tackles aren't the best statistic to determine actual productivity, but he was all over the field and, and he was he was shedding blocks. There was one fourth quarter play where he and Adosa Digizua both kind of swam over their guy to to 
meet at the backfield at the same time for a tackle mm-hmm. for loss. So uh, I, I think the rise of those two with Hankins coming back makes me – I'd be pretty surprised, actually, if Neville Gallimore is active mm-hmm. Monday night. I mean, the Cowboys got to figure out what their 48-man roster looks like. But I, I don't know how many interior defensive linemen you're going to have active in where – and I, I probably would put Carlos Watkins over Gallimore – right now because of his body of work this season. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Gallimore hasn't quite ascended. If, if Gallimore was progressing the way, and maybe there's some, there's a health component too, but if Gallimore was having the type of season that Diggy Zua was in terms of just that steady development building off of his earliest years in the NFL, uh, I think that we're talking about a different Cowboys defensive line. It hasn't been that quite yet, but Hankins will help. I think Golston has been the biggest disappointment up until the last maybe two to three weeks because he's been – absent you know quite a bit so I think it is time for him to step up so that's a positive thing are you concerned about the quarterback because we got a quarterback that's come into this playoff game that's led the National Football League in interceptions now all interceptions are not created equal but 15 interceptions in what 12 games that he's played if I'm correct on the math is is concerning and and while Dak Prescott says, hey, I'm going to continue to be aggressive, and, and we get that. But right now, when you're on this stage, being aggressive, a turnover, pick six, your season could be done. And I'm very concerned about Dak. I mean, and I like Dak. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I just think he's going through something right now when it comes to these interceptions. Some of it's not his fault. Some of it is snake bit. The line has been inconsistent in pass protection. The tight ends are not blocking on a consistent basis. So it's all of that. But the interception numbers go on your total, and you are responsible for some of these picks. And while maybe six or seven of them of the 15 are not on him, eight in 12 games, that's a lot too. And that's, that's on him. It is, and I think he played awful on, on Sunday. Uh, I think he would tell you that. I think his work was crappy um, immediately mm-hmm. following the game. And- crappy with a C, not a K, right? Correct. Crappy with the C. Thank you. Okay. Glad, okay. glad we clarified that. <laughs> yeah, uh, clarify that. <laughs> yeah, and there was a there was a moment even in the locker room where like the, 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 the game books for people not familiar that's like the official stat book of every NFL game all season dating decades back. And so players and coaches immediately following a game sometimes will take a look at the game book and see the final stats. You can see the play by play. You can see it broken down by halves. And Dak was just looking at, I think, I imagine the final statistics. And he completed mm. 14 passes. I think it was 37 attempts. And he was looking at it. He's like, I don't remember what he said, and I won't quote him, but even if I could. But it was uh, just dismay as to the lack of productivity that he personally had, as well as collectively as an offense. There wasn't a lot of good on that sheet. And so mm-hmm. the run game matters. It affects what we're talking about in terms of Dak Prescott and his performance. Because a lot more is on his plate when you're averaging – 1.4 yards per carry on first down and you're having that early down success. There actually were some manageable third downs on Sunday in Washington, but still teams aren't really feeling threatened by your run game. And that can factor into the way that they're scheming up against you. I thought a lack of separation, you know, Noah Brown really struggled to separate this past game. You know, there were opportunities to get CD lamb more involved. I'm sure it showed up when the Cowboys looked at the film, but um, overall, yeah, that was not Dak's best game even close, far closer to maybe his very worst game. That being said, I think it's more of the other parts of it that concern me. Can you run the football 
in Tampa? Can you separate in Tampa? Because if the Buccaneers focus on taking away C.D. Lamb the way they did in week one with success, the difference as to why they couldn't overcome that was because of the lack of options for Dak elsewhere on the field. And so if it's, if it's T.Y. Hilton, if it's Michael Gallup who missed that game, those are two players who weren't on the field week one. Mm-hmm. Can they be the difference the second time around? Uh, Noah Brown, um, he's he's provided some some really great moments. He's provided some really not so moments, and you know, he's just. I, I think the Cowboys have asked a lot of him in terms of being at times a number two, three type of guy. Uh, that's that's not where he excels best. I wonder if, and and I was a I'm a big Michael Gallup guy, um, and you know when he entered free agency, he was coming off that uh, the torn ACL. And so you were wondering, well, how much do you really pay him and that kind of thing? And, and I thought the contract was fine to me because he was a number two, number three. But there are times where he has disappeared. And Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy have said, hey, it's our fault. We've put Michael in more vertical routes, so we kind of forget about him. And we're not throwing it deep down the field. We're throwing it over the middle. So then they, they changed it up with the routes for Michael Gallup. But, but, but he is too inconsistent, man to be your quote-unquote number two guy. Noah Brown is probably not a – I want to ask Babe Laufenberg this when we get him on uh, on our podcast. But Noah Brown is probably at, at a spot as a number three receiver. or Maybe he's number four because of T.Y. Hilton's presence. Man, I, I wonder if you bring him back next year. Because, I mean, you're, you are seeing what Noah Brown is. He's an inconsistent player. And you want consistency from your people. You got draft picks at receiver who are not even getting on the field. And Semi Fajoko, who's had some health issues. Um, you know, uh, Tolbert, who's a draft pick, he's had some health issues. And now he's healthy. He can't get on the field because he probably can't play. So you are limited on what you could do. Dalton Schultz, I would like for them to use Dalton Schultz a little bit more. I like the athletic ability of the, of the two younger tight ends and Hendershot and Jake Ferguson. So you do have some pieces there, but they've been so up and down that, and, and like you said, you can't put it all on Dak because your guy, your, your weapons are, are inconsistent. But sometimes you do have to put it on Dak. But now you're in this playoff game where it's, you know, you win or go home, and you need your guys to step up for you. And, and I wonder if all these guys, Gallup, um, Brown, Hendershot, Schultz, uh, even Pollard and Zeke and the, the line, can these guys step up and help Dak Prescott make plays? And, and that's a big issue as well. I'm not going to say that the Cowboys are going to go one and done in the playoffs again. No, we're not saying that. No, but because I don't, I have to look more into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and figure out whether or not they they would be the team that theoretically can beat the Cowboys. But with all the problems that they have right now, are the Cowboys very beatable? Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. And mm-hmm. the defense that has felt like it early in the season, they felt like they were a championship caliber defense. That was the conversation that the Cowboys were having in the building about their self-belief as to the level that they felt they could reach. They haven't played anywhere close to that. But you don't judge whether or not a defense is championship caliber in November or October or December. It's got to be right now. And so you're getting guys back. You're getting, as you said, Leighton, Hayton, Hankins. You're, you're having some ascension in your young interior defensive linemen. But it's the time is now to put it all together because I don't think this is a game where the Cowboys put up 40 points. This has to be a game where the defense can do enough against, yeah, Tom Brady to keep that point total down and to squeak out a win on the road. I think they can do it. Let's talk to Babe Laufenberg, voice of the Cowboys. He joins us, Sports Day Cowboys, next. 
You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. This man is a mentor, a man we ask important questions to, especially when it comes to the quarterback position, whether it's Tony Romo, Ben DiNucci, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, Don Meredith. It doesn't matter what. We ask this man important questions. Former sportscaster uh, for the CBS affiliate here in Dallas for about 17 years. He was an NFL quarterback for eight seasons. He was drafted by the Washington team back before we were all born. He also played for the Saints, the Chargers, and the Cowboys. And one thing I didn't know about this man, he was drafted by the San Francisco Giants. He probably should have played baseball. would have probably made billions of dollars because I know how great of a person he is and an athlete he was. But right now, he's the color man on the radio broadcast for the Cowboys for about 25 years. I'd like to welcome Mr. Babe Loffenberg. Hi, Babe. Hello, Calvin. Hello, Michael. And I do want to tell you, Calvin, yes, I was drafted by the uh, San Francisco Giants in baseball, drafted by the NFL, but my true love was basketball. I mm. loved basketball, played it in high school, was pretty good, but I, I looked around the NBA and I didn't see a lot of 6'3", white power forwards <laughs> playing in the NBA, so I thought, well, maybe I better go a different route here. <laughs> Probably good. a good call. Babe, it is some kind of loss when after the fact there are conspiracy theories as to to what level the team was trying, which is that's how bad Sunday against the Washington Commanders that game was. When you look at that game, how concerned are you going into the postseason? Uh, not terribly concerned, Michael, and I have heard the conspiracy theories. And obviously, you know, we live in Dallas and uh, we have a lot of conspiracy theories here, right? <laughs> so, hey, if you're not trying to win, you wouldn't have played your starters, right? There's an easy way to do that. Just like the New York Giants held out Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. You just held your guys out. But that wasn't the case, so they were trying to win. And uh, I always say, in the course of a 17-game schedule, I don't care how good you are, you're going to have a couple of clunkers in there somewhere along the way. And they just happened to save their best clunker (laughs) for last because uh, they were admittedly awful. Uh, Mike McCarthy said it. Dak said it. Zach Martin said it. You go up and down the list. They said, that was not us. I tend to agree, babe. I'm not one for conspiracy theories either. I don't think Kevontae Turpin muffs a punt intentionally. I don't think Brian Inger drops a punt intentionally. These guys are better athletes than they are actors. But when I look at what Dan Quinn was doing, some of the personnel experimentation, some of the scheme, you know, trying to get a good look at some of these guys. When I look at offensively, the run game is where I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on. I think I got to think offensive coordinator Kellen Moore and his coaching staff do a little more to try to jumpstart the run game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have a feeling that in Tampa, we're going to see that coaching staff do a little bit more to jumpstart the run game. Maybe we see six offensive linemen on the field at once. Things like that, a little more creativity. That part of it, I believe some of it was left in the bag. Do you see it that way, babe, that there could be a little bit more creativity that wasn't shown in Washington, but will be shown in Tampa? I didn't see it so much of a creativity issue, Michael. I mean, the Cowboys just got beat at the point of attack. I mean, guys got whipped. That's all there was to it. Uh, Washington beat them to the point of attack. 
And I know, you know, we've heard a lot about, well, they slanted the line and they played it this way and that way. It was mano a mano, and the Cowboys did not handle Washington's defensive front. Now, the tight ends did not do a good job blocking. Uh, Washington kind of played wide ends, so the tight ends were locked up a little bit with them, and uh, they got manhandled, as tight ends tend to do. <laughs> so uh, I really didn't see it as a schematic issue as much as just getting beat up front. And the downside to that was, as well, uh, Washington was missing, missing Jonathan Allen, uh, their Pro Bowl defensive tackle, at tackle. He didn't play. So uh, think of how much worse it could have been. <laughs> you know, babe, you've you've always kept it real when it, when it comes to this team. And I, I want to ask you something about the quarterback, who we all like. And I think he's a franchise quarterback. But I, I even going back to Romo, who did lead the league in interceptions, I think it was 14 or whatever it was, 12, might have been 2012. I can't recall a quarterback just going through this t- a difficult stretch and protecting the ball. And, was, and it's not all his fault. You know, Noah Brown, you got to catch the ball. You know, Peyton Hendershot, you got to catch the ball. Yeah. You got to protect him so he doesn't get – so guys don't crash into him and, and that kind of thing. But, man, 15 interceptions is a lot for playing 11 games. Yeah, and it's interesting because once upon a time – I mean, hey, Peyton Manning's rookie year, he led the NFL – with 28 interceptions, 28. Uh, so the game has changed so much in terms of uh, once upon a time, interception was not the worst thing that could have happened to you. In the NFC Championship game, the famous game with the catch and Dwight Clark and Joe Montana beating the Cowboys, Montana threw three interceptions in that game. San Francisco lost three fumbles. San Francisco turned the ball over six times in that game and won the NFC Championship game. I got news for you. That ain't happening in today's NFL. But uh, I went back, I looked at each Dak interception, um, and of the 15, I would not put seven on them, seven of them, excuse me, on him. Uh, as you mentioned, the Hendershot, Noah Brown, uh, Zelbo got hit on the one. You could go through the list of interceptions and you say, well, that wasn't his fault, that wasn't his fault. So it's a little, little bit deceiving as interceptions many times can be if you never watch a game and you see that uh, Tampa Bay's quarterback, well, that won't happen because it's Brady, <laughs> threw three interceptions and say, oh, he had a bad day. And then you go back and you look at the highlights or you watch the tape and you go, oh, well, one went out of his receiver's hands. The other one got hit, ball went up in the air. And so there's a lot of factors that go into that. Dak has been good, as you well know. He's been good at protecting the football. So I anticipate that at some point to start in again. Now, the problem is it's got to start. The some point has to be this Monday night against Tampa. A lot of people are like, why is he throwing to Noah Brown? You know, and, and, and you know I get why? Because <laughs> you know he doesn't have Devontae Adams out there. <laughs> That's why. Right, right. You know, but, you know, I, my son was playing basketball, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say anyway. He, he made a pass to a kid, and I go, why are you throwing to that kid? He can't play. You know what I'm saying? And but and that's the dad in me. But the fans they they see Noah Brown and they go, he's not even number three receiver in theory, but he is on this right on this particular team. Right. And you got to throw who you got out there. So how do you overcome that, or is it on Noah Brown to, to elevate himself if he can? Well, I think uh, Noah Brown, who I like, solid receiver, mm-hmm. probably a solid fourth or fifth receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, he, hey, I, I like him. He's doing the best he can. He doesn't have that speed. And I think one of the big things uh, that has happened to the Cowboys in their passing game, teams are starting to compress. We saw Washington jump every route because they were not afraid 
of anybody running by him. Now, the exception to that is T.Y. Hilton. So, and they, hey, they took a deep shot. Uh, I believe it was a third and nine. He had two hands on the football, almost got it. We saw him <laughs> convert the third and 30, right? Right. So, T.Y. Hilton is that guy. Even at 34 years old now, I believe, he can, he can still run. But the field just compresses a little bit. So, I, I think the Cowboys have to come out, honestly, a couple of double moves, take some deep shots, even if they don't hit them. I always consider those deep balls investments. Now the defensive back knows, hey, these guys may try to run by me. So now you kind of quit jumping all those 15 and 10-yard routes because you're always fearful of giving up the home run. So I do see the Cowboys trying to get a little more aggressive in that regard early in that football game against Tampa. That game against Tampa, that passing game, couldn't get anything going. I remember CeeDee Lamb was so frustrated with how they were undercutting the routes the linebackers, so athletic, able to cover space. He felt like there was probably only one or two times all game where he could actually see the ball leave Dak's hands just because there was that much traffic in front of him. What is the? How does Kellen Moore work around that if the Bucks use that same approach Monday night? Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, if I'm Tampa Bay, why would I change <laughs> after what I did to that offense in week one, right? Uh, there's always going to be subtle changes, as we know, but uh, they did a great job locking up playing real tight coverage. And one thing that allows Tampa Bay to do that, they have two speedy linebackers. I mean, Devin White's as fast as they come. He's almost like a a safety, if you will, but he's a 245-pound safety. So he can play the run and and then come out and cover wide receivers. I don't mean lock up man-to-man with them, but if he's underneath in coverage, he is just fantastic. So they're going to have to deal with that. One of the interesting things about this game, and and I'm glad – Jerry Jones addressed this on, on his radio show on Tuesday. He said Mike McCarthy's job is good, and, and I think it should be. You know, you lose your quarterback for what, five games, and they go four and one with Cooper Rush. Yeah, they're limping into the end of the season to the playoffs, but so is Tampa Bay. And they're going to probably beat Tampa Bay, I think, on the road. And then, of course, then they got the Philly game if everything falls into place. How do you think McCarthy has done this year? Because I think he's done a pretty nice job. Oh, I think he's done a very good job. I think it's silly to even ask the question, mm-hmm. does Mike McCarthy keep his job? He's coming off two 12-win seasons. Uh, 12 wins usually wins your division. Uh, obviously, they're in a division with the best team in the NFC this year, maybe the best team in football. We'll see. But, uh, no, I think he's done a great job. As you point out, he lost his starting quarterback for five games, uh, sailed on. They go 4-1 and one with Cooper Rush. And it's not like they invested a lot of money in that backup quarterback to say, well, that's why we got this guy. So that if something happened to our starter, they invested no money in Cooper Rush. Matter of fact, I think they've released him about three or four times here, if I'm not mistaken. So the job that he did, Mike McCarthy, that is, in navigating that situation without Dak, playing a little bit of different style of football, obviously helped out tremendously by the fact that at that time, the defense was playing great, right? I mean, they were not allowed anything. Mm-hmm. And that's changed, too. And that's that's a cause for concern a little bit defensively. Babe, one of the main causes of concern I have when I look at the offense, it's not Dak's interceptions. Obviously, that needs to be cleaned up. It's the run game. Really, ever since Terrence Steele's ACL tear, it has not been on track. The past two games, it's been abysmal, which is Zach Martin's word for it. And they want to get the run game going. Obviously, it's it's paramount to their success. We touched upon it a little bit earlier What's your concern level about just, you know, this offensive line when Tyron Smith is, is doing what he can at right tackle, but there's an obvious drop off there from him to steal from still to him. Your concern level about its ability to get going here now in the playoffs. 
Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, I wish I could give you the definitive answer here. I wish I had that crystal ball. But And you look at the Washington game, really four guys were kind of playing out of position in that one because Connor McGovern was playing center. He was coming off an illness. I don't know how strong he was uh, physically in, in that football game. You've got Tyler Smith, obviously went from left tackle to left guard because Connor went left guard to center. So there were kind of four moving parts. Uh, if you count uh, Tyron Smith in there playing right tackle, obviously he's going to get better as the games go on, um, playing next to Zach Martin. And it's no matter how good you are, and, and we know he's about as good as they get, when you've been playing left tackle for 11 years <laughs> and all of a sudden no training camp, no anything to go over there and move to right tackle, you, you jump in 12 weeks into the season, uh, you know, that, that takes a little time there. So you're hoping that Tyron Smith gets a little better there. And, you know, we talk about scheme, and I, I know it's popular to talk about scheme and play calling and all this. I'm going to go back to the words of the great John McKay, who won a national championship at USC. And But he used to always say, you know, I have found out through the course of history, the team that blocks and tackles the best usually wins. So the Cowboys didn't block very well against Washington. So we're going to get done with this Tampa game. And we're going to talk about all the intricacies of the game. But I'm going to just say, I'm going to volunteer that the team that blocks and tackles the best wins that game Monday night. The layman would say, you know what, man? On Monday night, you don't have time to to build on continuity. You got to get it done. And and there's something wrong with Tyron Smith. Yeah, I get it. He has not played on on the right side in forever. You know, um, McGovern was saying I hadn't played center since Penn State. So there's a lot of moving parts there. Tyler Smith, he, he was he was drafted to play guard, eventually to be the tackle. Tyron gets hurt. Now he's at tackle. Now you're moving him inside. It's all it's all jacked up. Yeah. But no one cares if you get beat in Tampa about all these changes because this you're getting paid to make plays. And and I wonder if if Tyron Smith is is descending here as a, as a talented player, even though I think he's very good, but I'm just surprised at, at the struggles that they're having at running the ball because I don't know if Zeke is beaten down a little bit. You know, uh, you know, Pollard had the thigh injury. I like Malik Davis. I think he's got a future. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Walter Payton or anything, but I, <laughs> I, I like him. Um, but it, it has to be as, as simple as, hey, man, you're going to Hall of Fame. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, you're going to Hall of Fame. Jason Peters, you're 62 years old, but you're going to Hall of Fame. You have experience, and we're expecting you guys to make some plays. So I, I get what you and Michael are both saying, but at some point you got to say, you got to make plays, bro, because if not, we're going to be sitting at home watching the division around. Uh, no question. And, and people always reference Jason Peters as a future Hall of Famer, and he is. But he, he is he's not 62, but he is 40. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – you know, that, that's an older guy to be sitting there with these yeah. young guys and trying to move him out. He, he's a little bit slower than he mm-hmm. was naturally. Mm-hmm. He was a little slow. Tyron Smith, to me, he's just playing a little bit high. Mm. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the bend in his legs that you need for the drive blocking and run blocking. He, he's just up top, almost a little bit like that, that uh, wrestling bear, right? Standing mm-hmm. up and trying to move people around. Uh, that's going to get better with continuity. And as we sit here, though, and talk about these guys, uh, Michael and Calvin, um, I had a coach one time say, I said, hey, well, what are you going to do here? Because you got this moving part and that moving part. He said, hey, it's where they put coach in front of my name. So it's up to, the, it's up to Joe Philbin, offensive line coach. It's up to Mike McCarthy, head coach, to figure this out. And they know it. Babe, January 16th, 2022, last year, 
Cowboys first round of the playoffs, one and done. January 16th, 2023, this Monday night in Tampa. Prediction time. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> How's it? Are the Cowboys going to be able to survive the divisional round? Well, since I call the game, I never like to predict the game in terms of who wins and who doesn't. I really don't. Um, <laughs> respect that. And I'll be honest with you. I, I think it's a little bit of a toss-up. And I'll go back. You, you mentioned the date last year um, with the San Francisco playoff game. Looking at the tape going into that game, you know, I, I study – Believe it or not, I do study during the week, and I look at it, and I really thought San Francisco was a better team going in. And you look at what they did in the playoffs. They were leading the Rams with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They were this close to being the Super Bowl team from the NFC. So I did not look at that game against San Francisco as the disgrace that some people did. San Francisco was a good team. Uh, Mm -hmm. They hammered the ball on the ground. Uh, they did the th- things to the Cowboys that they wanted to do. And uh, I think it'll be similar this week. I don't know that anyone has lost a football game to a team that has been quarterbacked by Tom Brady and said, how did we lose to that guy? <laughs> <laughs> so it's much like, fellas, it's much like, I always, you know, you, you're watching a college game and somebody, their, their team is doing well in the fourth quarter. They hold up the sign, we want Bama, you know, we want Bama. And then they get Bama and they find out, mm, you know what, we really didn't want Bama <laughs> after all. It's a little bit like that with Brady. Hey, I want this guy. Their offense has struggled all year. He's 45 years old. They can't run the ball. We want Brady. And then everybody's going to get on that plane after that game and say, gosh, did, did I really say, you know, I want Brady? <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to it, though. All these games are close. Hey, these are all playoff teams, right? And they're playoff teams for a reason. So you don't get to the playoffs and say, oh, well, you know, that team's going to beat that team. I give all these teams a chance uh, to win their football games this, year, this week. I really do. Except for maybe Seattle against San Francisco. And as I say that, Seattle will beat San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we respect you, babe. We respect your non-answer. Uh, you are one of the best. <laughs> you're one of the best people in this market, in any market uh, for that matter. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And let me just tell you guys very quickly. Covered the World Series when the Rangers were with playing the Giants and, and St. Louis. Uh, I was there when Dirk Nowitzki got his NBA championship in Miami. Covered that. Covered Brett Hull. Was up in Buffalo for the Stars Stanley Cup win. I've, I've announced a couple of Super Bowls when the Cowboys were in them way back when. Nothing compares to this. Wow. Nothing wow. compares to this. I have now hit the high water mark. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about a podcast. Yes. Nothing is. Con- nothing. And my only problem now is where do you go from here? It's like the guys that go to the moon, literally the astronauts that go to the moon, their <laughs> life is never the same because they say I, everything pales in comparison. Well, it, it happened to me now. So I'm going to be able to compare notes with some of these astronauts. That transition, that post uh, Sports Day Cowboys transition that people make, it's very difficult. It's very jarring. You can't match that thrill. So, God, God, God speed to you. Good, good, good deal. Thank you, Calvin, Michael. Love you both. Thank you, guys. See you, babe. Love you, baby. Thank you. We appreciate uh, the time and, and the effort it took for you to, just to talk to us every week. We know you're a busy man. Now, while Babe Laufenberg did not give us a prediction, we're going to hear from the people and we're going to give you our predictions on Tampa Bay and Dallas when Sports Day Cowboys returns. Hey, listeners, this is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. 
What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the -the behind-the-scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. All right, Michael, we're going to hear from the people, and we love hearing from our readers or listeners or whatever you want to call it. But our reader question this week as we go to Super Wildcard Weekend comes from our man, Joe Slaughter. Is it like Sergeant Slaughter? I don't know. Anyway, anyway, Joe Slaughter asks, why don't they use Micah Parsons as a linebacker and not as a defensive end? Good question, Michael. What do you think? Why, why do we see Micah Parsons playing more defensive end than linebacker when he was drafted as a linebacker? The Cowboys want to beat him up and wear him down. So by the time the postseason comes, he's <laughs> is, is not as explosive as he was in September. Um, look, it's a good question. I, I'm not surprised that the Cowboys are using him more at defensive end because he's that damn good at rushing the passer. And you've got, when healthy, Leighton Vanderesh, You've got Anthony Barr. You've got Damone Clark. You've got some guys, some dogs at linebacker as the Cowboys view it. I mean, some are down on bar or whatever it may be, but they bring a lot when they're on the field. So I think the competency that the Cowboys have at linebacker has made them feel a little more free to play Micah Parsons this much at defensive end. That said, I am a little surprised because it seems like, I'm not saying the Cowboys are being predictable per se with how they're using Micah Parsons. Dan Quinn makes a point to make sure it's not predictable. He's got him switching sides and doing different things, different techniques and all the sort. But it is a little more leaning, t- a little more heavy in terms of snap usage and all that toward end than linebacker than I thought it would be going into the year. And I wonder if we're going to have a correction in 2023 regular season on this very point. I don't think we're going to see more of Micah Parsons at defensive end next year as much of it as we're seeing it right now to me it's, it's been heavy and it'll be something that they're going to study in the offseason decide whether or not it's something they want to keep or adjust a bit i think it's more about the 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 beauty of dan quinn of his Okoza says you know what i can utilize this guy in a different spot because it make it makes us better now if dan quinn is around next year or unless he takes a head coaching job somewhere else It'll be interesting to see who the new defensive coordinator is and how they view Micah Parsons. And also, who is left standing at linebacker because they have some contractual issues. Lathan Vanderbilt should be a free agent. I think he's. I think you should bring him back, give him another one-year deal. Um, you know, do you bring DeMarcus Lawrence back? You know, you got, you got a lot of issues there on, on that defensive front, something that we have to talk about later in the spring. But next year, yeah, I think Parsons might play a little bit more linebacker. But right now, the way Dan uh, Quinn looks at it, George Edwards, who's a defensive senior consultant, the best thing to do is have Micah Parsons play edge and, and knock those quarterbacks down. Michael, Super Wildcard Weekend is Monday. Really, it's all weekend, and it concludes Tampa, Florida on a Monday night. I'm looking forward to our dinner the night before the game, I'm not going to eat the rest of the week. I just want to be – I want an empty belly. 
I'm going to have water. I'm going to drink water and soda and just get it all out of my system so we can have a big dinner before this game. But after the game, hopefully our predictions will come true. Michael, who do you like in this game? Well, I think first, Tampa, first game of the season on the road. We established that two things. Calvin mm-hmm. and I, we hung out on the road, and we established, number one, that I can pick a restaurant. I've got yes, a good feel for the Yelp app, <laughs> and I'm a big believer in if you're in a new city, you should try something new. Ideally, a, you know, really always a, a local-owned business, support the local owners, and just have a really quality, quality meal. So we mm-hmm. we did that. Well, yes, yes, Calvin, we will do that again. We also, after the game, played a little Connect Four and established – what did we establish, Calvin? That you were better than me in Connect Four at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you're damn right it was. <laughs> So, predictions. We will take a good look at this game, and we've talked about it a lot this week. We've talked about it on this episode, and we've gone over a lot of the areas of concern about the Cowboys. That being said, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to run the table. I think there are a number of teams who can beat them, but I don't believe the Buccaneers are probably going to be one of them. Um, I, I think, yes, it's, it's Tom Brady. But when you look at the production of the passing game, it quite, hasn't quite been to their standard over there. When I look at the Cowboys' defense, despite some pretty mixed performances, I do believe I have a lot of confidence in Dan Quinn. I, I believe in the difference of a, a, a defense with Leighton Vander Esch versus one without it, and with Jonathan Hankins as opposed to one without it. And so it's a bit of a projection going up against Brady, but... I, I have enough confidence in all of that to say that I believe the Cowboys are going to win this game. I think it's going to be maybe by a three-point or so margin. Um, I, it's difficult to imagine that even if you get up big on Brady, that he's going to go quietly. So I think it's going to come down to the wire. But, yeah, I got the Cowboys winning this one. We always we tend to disagree. I don't know if now is an example of it. Calvin, who you got? This is This is going to be a close game just because – the Cowboys defense uh, worries me a little bit and it is Tom Brady. Um, I got Dallas winning this ball game. They're the favorite, I believe going into this contest from the guys in Vegas as they should be because Tampa Bay has been so up and down the whole season. I, I don't remember Tom Brady slamming as many tablets as this year and in, in the years past, but there, there are some issues there. What does concern me is if Brady gets hot, and he has the ball in the last minute and a half of the game, and the game is hanging in the balance, it's hard to bet against him because he has done this so many times in the past. But if the Cowboys can just contain him a little bit, and Dallas has led the NFL in turnovers, excuse me, takeaways the last two seasons, if they can get two takeaways in this ball game, I think they're good. Um, and yes, it is Tom Brady. We all understand that. But the bottom line is Dallas should win this ball game. All of the warts that they have right now, they should overcome that. I think the line will play a lot better in Tampa. They will run a lot better. And it's it's psychological, too. The Cowboys, they really weren't up for that Washington game. But I will say this. When I walked into the locker room after they lost to the Commanders, that locker room was pretty shook. They were quiet. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we've come in that locker room after losses. Like when they lost in Jacksonville in overtime, you know – they were upset, but not the way they were against Washington. I think they were really shocked that they got beaten up that badly. And I believe that will uh, will wake this team up. 
They will handle their business, and they should beat Tampa Bay. I, I got a final score of 21-17, but it's going to change because I'm going to forget about 21-17 when I make my predictions for the paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That locker room was palpable following that loss to, to Washington. And I think some of that way it felt was because guys knew that, you know, there was I think there was a remembrance of the feeling after the Niners playoff loss yeah. the previous year. And it was like, we play like this next week. All that we worked for is over. Like this, that was a wake up call. And that, that silence that we heard, that, like that, 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 that feeling, it was, I think like at least some of it, at least some of it was that. And you mentioned the Buccaneers. They have had problems between weeks three and weeks eight. They lost five of six games. Two straight losses in week three and four. They won at home against the Falcons, and then they lost three games uh, at Steelers, at Panthers versus Ravens. Cowboys haven't lost two straight games all season, and they're coming off of a loss now. It would be a hell of a time to start with your first multi-game losing streak. You and I, Calvin, agree. We don't believe it will be it. This won't be the start of that. With that, that's all the time we have for Sports Day Cowboys this week. We will speak next week after the game. Is it our last podcast episode of the season where we recap it all? We don't think so, but we will see. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is produced by Christian Vasquez. And you can stay up to date on every episode by following Sports Day Cowboys wherever you get your audio, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find the show by following the Dallas Morning News in those same players. We have an opportunity for you to access a special membership offer for listeners. Go to dallasnews.com slash listen, and you'll find the information there. And if you want to give us your reaction to the game, whatever it may be, however it goes, you can send your questions, your comments, your voice memos to dmncowboys at dallasnews.com. You can also pin us directly on Twitter, dmn underscore cowboys, and on Facebook at Cowboys Fan Central. For the news, I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins. We'll see you next week. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.